Opening week of the Stanley Cup playoffs and In Goal Radio, the podcast, is ready to explain an odd year in the blue paint all around this 2019 postseason. Hello and welcome to episode 12 of In Goal Radio, presented by the Hockey Shop, Source for Sports Surrey, and thehockeyshop.com. Check it out, just not right now, like maybe in like 35 minutes or 40 minutes. Darren Millard playing the role of good backup goalie. What I mean by that is I open the door for Kevin Woodley and David Hutchison, the co-founders of In Goal Magazine. And as the gurus, they pass along their fountain of knowledge and information. Today, Woody tracks down former National Hockey League goaltender Alex Ald. A-squared is currently a radio analyst in Vancouver and still, at times, a goalie coach. He's had a nice long run around the National Hockey League, both as a player and an announcer. But when you listen to him talk about his goalie partners like Hank, Timmy Thomas, Belfort, and Price, two things come to mind. One, there's a book in there somewhere. And number two, it gets real. Philosophy and goaltending trends are also part of this conversation. Plus, our gear segment. And Woody, Woody, when you head out to old Surrey and into the basement, what are you talking about today? Yeah, we're going to do a little uh, Brian's Genetic 4 this week uh, with Cam at the Hockey Shop. I know that's a line that's been out for a while, uh, since November when it launched. Uh, but we went through all the other ones, all the other big brands, and we figured, uh, you know, it's it's still new gear time for everyone. So even though this isn't necessarily new gear from Brian's, it's their newest. And we had them walk us through that line. And you know what that means. That means I get a chance to visit the Hockey Shop Source for Sports in Surrey, B.C., check out all the great selection. I'm kind of lucky they're in my backyard, and that's where I've been going for years, whether it's for their world-famous sharpening, expert advice on anything in gold. The beauty is when you go down to that goalie basement, and I put this on Instagram this week, so if you haven't, listeners, checked it out. Go check it out. I think we've had like 20,000 people see the video already. Just a nice little tour of what it's like down there to sort of whet your appetite. All the best brands, huge selection. Uh, really is a goalie's uh, dream come true. And the best part is guys like Cam are down there working. Guys who play the position, know the position, love the position. Uh, all the top brands. I will say, if you can't get there, make sure you check out thehockeyshop.com. They'll help you out there. Cam drops the number to call if you got any questions during our segment with him. Um, and last, but certainly not least, Hutch, this year, coming up fast, guys. We're gonna, This is the first time we're going to announce the date. May 26th, Tendy Fest 4. Talk of maybe even a live podcast, boys. Uh, some big names from the gear industry will be on hand. Uh, you'll be able to check out the latest from every brand. And uh, we had a few listener questions about demo gear. The Hockey Shop, as I mentioned in the segment, they have a full demo program. You can actually try the gear before you buy it. If you live here in the lower mainland, you don't have to go shell out 2K for new pads without actually having them on the ice, seeing how they slide for you, how they work for your leg, how they fit your style. Uh, and you'll be able to do that with all the brands on May 26 at Burnaby 8 Rinks uh, in Vancouver, suburban Vancouver. Get out there on the ice and try it before you buy it. Perfect. Hutch, can you explain what Tendy Fest is? For oh. the uninitiated, it's a goaliegasm. <laughs> Your name's not Hotch. I was gonna say candy store for goaltenders or something like that. It's an incredible day. Um, I wonder how many people are through the door. Hundreds for sure, thousands maybe. Uh, they they Burnaby Eight Rinks has uh, one. What used to be a sheet is now covered in astroturf, and that becomes sort of the trade show floor. Uh, booth after booth of goalie coaches, various brands represented. Uh, so you can come talk to the experts and uh, 
see everything that's the latest, greatest. And when you find something that you're really excited about, you can uh, take it for a spin on the sheet that's right next door. And they've got shooters lined up to uh, take you through drills. There's some coaches out there. It's uh, it's just a great opportunity to try everything and, and also talk shop because we're going to be there all day long. And uh, there's all sorts of other great people that are going to be there all day long. And you, and you can just come and talk goaltending with everybody. And usually some big name guests come in uh, every year. Pretty much we've had NHL guys roll through depending on you know their playoff status, guys who are from the area. Uh, last year was Martin Jones. We've had Laurent Brassois in the past. Shannon Sabatos last year for the entire day, uh, meeting and greeting the people, signing autographs, talking about her experiences in the game. Uh, and I know this year already there's some really big names from the gear designer side that'll be there. Um, so keep your eye on thehockeyshop.com and all their social channels as they start to leak out uh, some of the guests that are coming, some of the specials that'll be on, and demo gear also from last year's, like the year prior models, all goes on sale as well. Uh, that little tour that you gave us of the hockey shop basement, the the right at the very start, there's a set of Vancouver Canuck yes. classic stuff. Oh, yes. Like, take me through that because I kept looking at it and examining it. So just whose is it what brand everything that is bauer of course and that is probably okay. a really good display of their new digital printing technology um which is going to be released to the masses this year uh no longer just for your you know the the local nhl star or chl goalie or ncaa goalie um everybody's going to be able to get in on that and you know with digiprint the beautiful thing is you can if you can dream it up they can pretty much make it happen on the face of a pad um and i thought the hockey shop did a real good job sort of representing a, a golden era of Vancouver Canucks hockey. Maybe not from a performance standpoint when you look at the history of this team, but no. that uh, that sort of spaghetti plate uh, Halloween style uh, mask or sorry uh, jerseys yeah. that they had here. It's 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 a gorgeous set of equipment. I'll post some more things. Like that's Hershey's stuff, right? Like that would go perfect with Hershey's Halloween mask. Yeah, I think Hershey might have even uh, Corey Hirsch might have even sort of post-dated some of that we're, we're almost into john garrett type stuff here so Ooh. yeah it's it is a purdy set uh it is an example of what bauer is going to be able to do with digiprint for for everyone soon that's why they had it made up and the custom name bar on there boys um it's got a funny little backstory to it it might just say number five orange on it so we'll have to get into that one day and maybe share the story of why the bauer pads the custom order bauer pads say number five orange on the uh, custom stitching department big tease big tease i wonder if we can give a little shout out to garrett and see if he'll come to tendy fest and slap the gear on it and take him for a spin oh he's an absolute he will he's an absolute beauty i bet he would and and i, I yeah that's it hey hutch like seed planted there that's a good idea Okay. Well, well, you know what? If we all bombard them, then we'll get them. Okay. It's just a matter yeah. of having pizza and and uh, hot dogs. And well, yeah, but also ketchup for dipping the pizza in. Yeah. There you go. As long as there's no food that you need cutlery for, he's in. That's 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 how it works. We're on it. Uh, so uh, the playoffs are, are an interesting one. Hutch, uh, Price, Lundqvist, Luongo, Quick, Gibson, all elite goaltenders. And they all missed. Just a just a strange year. Are we seeing the changing of the guard, or how would you sum up what's going on right now? Well, it's an interesting thing that you brought up, Darren. Thanks for thanks for pointing that one out. It's um, I like to you call me the voice of reason, so maybe I'll be the voice of reason. I think if you uh, tie yourself to a long-standing franchise goaltender, um, 
it's going to come around. And uh, and these guys have been with the franchises for a very long time. And eventually, uh, as cycles go, you can't uh, you can't stay at the top of the pack for that many years in the salary cap age. Uh, I think we're seeing aging franchises there as well, with the exception, I guess, of Montreal, who almost made it. Um, so, so it's, is it changing the guard of the goaltenders or the franchises? I'm not really sure. What do you think? Geez, it's gotta be a mix of, of the two, because for those big names, all big names to miss in the same year is just staggering to me that you've got the elite of the elite and, and guys that are challenging for goaltending awards and championships, Woody. It, it, it's bizarre. It seems too much of a coincidence. Well, no, I mean, I'll give you another number. How about this? So uh, ClearSight Analytics from our friend Stephen Valaket, uh, the company that he works for and sort of helped found. Um, Brilliant. Yeah, and we'll have him on in the coming weeks. He was just a little busy this week with some some visitors, actually. I think he would have been good for this. We might even get him in for next week as they have their end-of-season numbers. But they released their statistics through the end of March recently. And if you're not familiar, ClearSight Analytics measures 34 points of data for every shot on goal. And this includes things like screens, multi-layered screens, broken plays, um, passes right before a shot. We all know as goaltenders that if they go cross ice on you before a one tee, that's a little bit tougher than a guy walking in a straight line at you um, from the same spot. And most of the publicly available sort of analytics and data well adding context misses those elements and so they come up with ratings and basically rank the goaltenders using all this data you talked about big names that missed the playoffs how about this i'm looking one two three of the top five in terms of their performance overall this season the amount of goals they saved their team based on shot quality this season aren't in the playoffs and Four of the top six aren't starting on opening night in the playoffs. So a bit of a different discussion, but I'll give you the lint. Carey Price, I don't hear his name in Vesna talk. 37 goals saved this year when you account for shot quality. Number one in the NHL, not in the playoffs. Number two, Andre Vasilevsky, 36.4 goals saved through the end of March. And Vasilevsky, yeah, he's in the playoffs, but I don't think people talk about how good he has to be behind that Tampa Bay team enough. John Gibson, you mentioned, out of the playoffs in number three. I'm going to make you guys guess who's in number four. Pecorin is in number five. Obviously, he's there. And this is one that could become controversial depending on how things go in the first round. Yaroslav Halak is sixth in the NHL in his overall performance this year. And when you take away volume, in other words, these numbers add up the more you play, just pure save percentage above expected. Yarl Halak is number one in the NHL at a 3% difference between wow. his actual and expected save percentage. Now, can you tell me? The, f- the guy who is fourth of the top five in the NHL who's not in the playoffs that none of you mentioned in your elite performer list. Uh, you- I think he might be from Vancouver. He might be. Jacob he Markstrom might be Jacob Markstrom. Yep. Fourth in the NHL, 30.8 goals saved above average using all this shot quality for context. Why? Why do we have you know three of the top five not in the playoffs? Like at the risk of losing my goalie union card, I think if you lean, these guys basically they got leaned on the heaviest behind the yeah. poorest teams, and goaltending's not enough. Um, I had a really long conversation recently with a, you know, a goalie coach. I, I don't want to cost him his goalie union card, so I'm not going to give a name. But um, you know, one of the top guys in the league, and uh, 
He said, give me some true serum and asked me whether I, I would, if I could pick one thing to be set in, would it be defense, goaltending, or, or forwards? He's picking defense every time. You can build a goaltender often, um, but if they don't have support in front of them, uh, they get left exposed. So I'm just going to try and paraphrase this. What you're saying about uh, Price and, and, and these players, these guys that, that came so far this year and, and played so well but just missed the playoffs, it's like losing 4-3 but you you face 50 shots like you play well but you 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 just lose by a goal yeah or 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 maybe or maybe you lose 2-1 you face 50 shots but you don't have the horse mm-hmm. cuz you went, and again i point to defense and you know, we got this problem with vancouver right now everybody's talking about their offense one of the worst offensive teams in the nhl the worst in the second half of the season um and it's like oh i got to get more forwards no you have to get defense to get the puck out of your own end so defense cuts both ways um and so it could be a 2-1 loss darren the bottom line is if you're leaning that heavily on your goaltender, you're um, you're probably not a good team, and you probably don't deserve to be in the playoffs because they're tougher than ever to make. Once again, he he tries to give up his goalie card. He walks that line up and then sucks up at the end. That's what Woody just did there by taking my four three loss and turning it into a two one loss. Hutch, I'll like, I'll jump in with my minor hockey coach's card here too, if I can, because I love what Kevin said. You know, great goaltending isn't enough. And uh, how often do you see a coach? A team, a parent, look at a team and say, you know, if only the goaltending was better, we would have been fine. And I think what Kevin's pointing out is no matter how great it is, uh, it's not enough. We need more. And I'm never one to say that a kid needs to make an excuse. It's always your job to try and try and make that save. But uh, I love that, that in a way that we're seeing that fantastic goaltending isn't enough. Uh, two comments about everything that was just said. Yaroslav Halak is the reason why the Boston Bruins have home ice advantage because of the first half that he performed. Remember, it was Tuka Rask who actually left the team for a few days, took some personal leave, and wasn't having a great start again. And Yaroslav Halak was awesome uh, going in there. Number two, when when Valaket speaks in those intermissions and the postgame, what do you think is running through Al Troutwig's mind when he's dropping all that data? Ooh. Like it's... I don't know, Al, but I, it, it, me, like, I don't know what's running through anybody. my mind. It's just like, awesome. I'm just going to listen. It is it awesome, but there's part of, like, I'm not as deep into it as you guys, and, and, and it's just like, some of it is amazing. Other times, I'm having to really, really think about it. So uh, I, that, I that love whole, watching. I love watching Steve's stuff, even for the yeah, non-goaltending. So His ability to tie data to how you should play a particular situation outside the crease as well. I, it's fascinating. For I think every coach should be be watching everything he does. And I will say, we've got a Stanley Cup champion right now that is a Stanley Cup champion in part because they base the way they attack on the data that Steve and his company have started to turn mm-hmm. over that shows the type of plays, especially lateral, that actually lead to goals. Like part of that work is what's gotten us away from pucks on net and passes oh, shoot, off shoot, pads shoot. and all that yeah. type of mentality. Yeah, I, the, uh, I thought his piece well, that uh, tied data to when you shouldn't, shouldn't try to block a shot was was fascinating. And, uh, and I don't think enough people have paid attention to that work. We'll have to look What's that one stat? up. My beer league team evidently didn't pay any attention because they don't block any shots. Well, he was actually suggesting that there are a whole lot of situations you shouldn't try to block a shot. And uh, I thought that was fascinating. Uh, what was the this stat about it was a shot right after a pass? How did you phrase that or how is that phrased? Oh, uh, I think I talked about like it's not just a pass. A lot of people are 
it's slot line. So he's divided. Okay. He used to call it the Royal Road. Now they call it the slot line, which makes a little more sense. Basically, you divide the offensive zone into two. You split it right the down middle. the middle from the goal line to the top of the faceoff circles. And again, so anything above the top of the faceoff circles, it, that's not that doesn't count because as a goaltender, that's far enough away from you. You should have time to still beat that play across based on their data and their research. So, so it, it's not like you know pass in the zone that doesn't force you to change your angle as severely as that one. Because, right, obviously, if it's across the middle, I got to go fully left to right. I have to reset body angle and positioning. Those are the ones. And then it's a shot, whether it's a carry across there or a pass across there, um, and then a shot. Those are the highest degree of difficulty. It's amazing as I track all, you know, every goal given up by a playoff goaltender this year for my NHL project, the amount of times, like it's 40%, the goals that go in are preceded by a slot line play. Uh, when does that article drop? Um, is that out? I think that actually by the time people listen to this on Wednesday afternoon, uh, the first five series will all be online. The first Perfect. three are already. And yeah, it's, uh, it's a fun project, but it might kill me this, this week. You know, go- golfers will uh, will be able to relate to the the whole analytics part that we were just talking about because there's there's putts made inside five feet, putts made inside ten feet, but but a putt inside ten feet is is not a, an easy putt if there's two feet of break to it. So it sort of adds that analytics part of it and 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 what you look at a, a shot from twenty feet is is not an easy shot to stop if it's if it's followed uh, if it follows a. a 30 foot pass across the across the ice so that's sort of what uh, what Valakat deals with uh jordan bennington he has burst onto the scene he's one of the new goaltenders in the stanley cup playoffs you know there's only one guy that's won a stanley cup outside of the last three years and that's uh the flower uh but jordan bennington is uh has had this extreme rush to the National Hockey League this year. He's been in the minors and burst onto the scene. But if you want an even more uh, bizarre example, try Alex Ald. He's the former netminder in the National Hockey League, broke in with the Vancouver Canucks, and he went from the press box into the Stanley Cup playoffs. Just an incredible run. Alex is with Woody in our portable studio in this week's feature interview. All right, we're joined today, this week, for the Ingle Podcast by Alex Ald, who is officially in the Roberto Luongo seat. We're doing this in the front seat of Kevin's car. This is kind of like another episode of Jerry Seinfeld, except uh, I'm not nearly as funny. Welcome to the show. Good thing I am, then. <laughs> That's good. You can, you can <laughs> I'm not as funny as Jerry, no. But you can definitely up the, uh, the comic element to our podcast. Listen, it's playoff time, Alex. And goaltending becomes a massive focus in the playoffs before we get into what you're doing now working for Sportsnet 650 you've switched over to an analyst role done some coaching I want to talk about playing career stuff and your induction I know you played you played a period in 04 for the Vancouver Canucks 03 03 03, one period yeah against Minnesota yeah but in 04 in the first round in Calgary I believe game five and I remember this because Game six is the only game I've missed as a journalist in 20 years covering the Canucks because my daughter was born on the night that Dan Cloutier sprained his ankle in game five and all of a sudden Alex Ald was thrown to the wolves. And I've got the details wrong. Yeah, you do. It's because I was sleep deprived. Yeah. So you no, give me so the it details. Was, it was uh, Kluch got hurt in game three in Calgary. Three versus, that's right. Yes, and that, then Hedberg finished that game. We won. Hedberg started the next game. And then I got in and played game five at home. And game six was the triple overtime winner. My only playoff 
win of my career. Courtesy Brandon Morris. Yes, we won in triple overtime. Um, that it was crazy because I mean, well, I started the series the series as the Black A goalie, and it was just a long taxi squad along for the ride practice goalie um not even on the ice with the with the actual team just practicing with the black aces and then we're in calgary we're just watching a game in the suite and uh, thankfully i actually remembered my contact lenses <laughs> that game i'm sitting up there in my glasses and all of a sudden i remember uh Kluch goes down and then the the uh some of the player personnel uh, people were like hey are you um you ready to go get dressed and i'm like seriously like I, I thought that was something out of the movies i didn't think it actually happened but yeah i went down and got dressed and i sat in the hallway behind like behind the bench just until they absolutely 100% knew Kluche couldn't come back and ended up uh, dressing and, and sitting on the bench for the third period of, of that game. And it was kind of a, a whirlwind from there. It was it was crazy to think going from the press box to starting game seven at home uh, for the series, obviously. It was, it was a lot of fun. I look back on it and it was uh, great memories, but it's such a swing in pressure. Obviously going from no pressure, sitting in the stands, to all of a sudden playing the biggest game of your life. Now... Yeah, now it's all starting to come back because by game seven, I had managed to excuse myself from new dad duties <laughs> and I was back at the rink to yep. watch, unfortunately, the end of that playoff run. Is it when we talk about, you know, there can be a lot of focus this year on Jordan Pennington, for example, yep. with the St. Louis Blues. This will be his first time in the playoffs and kind of, you know, coming out of nowhere. Although clearly, if you know him and his story, this is a long work in progress, not as it rarely is an overnight success story, right. but. Can there be a benefit to sort of going in without expectations, going in cold, without all the sort of hype and pressure that comes otherwise with leading into the playoffs? Well, there is there is a positive to that for sure. Like you, you almost don't know what you're getting into and you don't know what to expect. So as long as you aren't the type of person that worries about that unknown, I think there is a benefit because you can, if you do know everything and you're, you're almost over-prepared and you're over-analyzing every situation – there's something to be said for just going out and playing and, and not really having that pressure. And really, when I look at St. Louis and I look at Bennington, the pressure is kind of off them, I think, with how they turn their season around. It'll be more pressure next year. Obviously, they they want to do well. They're the hottest team in the league. It's unbelievable what they've been able to do. A young young goaltender, I say young. I mean, inexperienced goaltender in, in a guy like Bennington. It's, it's, I'm really curious to see how he responds and how he ha- manages the mental aspect of this given that he doesn't have that experience, given that how is he going to internalize the pressure, um, it'll be really interesting to watch because a goalie like that with so many unknowns about him, like is there is there a big book on him in terms of pre-scouting? I mean, there's a, there's a lot of factors that go into play. Now, you've you've been a part of a lot of playoff runs since that, that first chance getting in with the Canucks. Not all of them as starters. You've watched some greats over the years, both in the regular season and in the playoffs. When you talk about managing that pressure, whether it's a Henrik Lundqvist with the New York Rangers, a Carey Price with the Montreal Canadiens, are there any insights or that you can share that you saw and how those guys dealt with it or any times where they leaned on you or you had correspondence with them in that role uh, as their playing partner in terms of how they handled it, how they dealt with it? Well, I think what really stands out to me is how how different everyone handles it. Like I... Carey Price, he's notoriously calm and cool. He comes to the bench and, you know, he's chatting when he's having a, a drink of water or whatever at the bench and mask up. And then there's a guy like Henrik Lundqvist who you don't even speak to on a game day. Um, you know, and the year I was with Hank, we we lost out on the last day of the regular season trying to make the playoffs. We lost to Philly in a shootout. And the winner of that game 
had the, the last playoff seed in the Eastern Conference. And Philly actually went all the way to the final before losing to Chicago. So that's always tough, too, to see the team you lose out to, whether it's in the first round or in that situation, have a deep run. But Lundquist had that intensity about him. Carey Price was so calm. And I think that's the key is to be you, like to be what has made you successful. Don't all of a sudden go change because it's a big game or because it's the playoffs. Carey Price, that's him. That That is him to a T. And so he stays that way. And I imagine even in biggest games he's played, whether it's a gold medal at the World Juniors or gold medal at the Olympics, probably very much the same person and very much the same approach. Um, another guy I learned a lot from watching firsthand was Tim Thomas. I got to play with him in Boston and probably – the best set of eyes in the game in terms of always keeping his head on the puck and, and watching the puck. Like I never realized how often he really worked for that. Even as he was sprawling around on the ice and doing snow angels, he always had a way to find the puck. Uh, but also with him, it was funny because I remember we went into Montreal and all of a sudden he's like in between periods changing, like cutting or after warm up, he cut the, the dangler off his helmet. He's like, I can't see my feet. I can't see my feet today. And I'm like, man, it's game two of the playoffs, buddy. Like, I think you should have your gear set by now. But it's just, you know, he, he was different than Pricer and, and uh, Henrik Lundqvist, so different as well. Um, not in a playoff setting, but I, I got to play with a guy like Ed Belfour as well. Like these guys, their levels of intensity are all different, but their focus, it was all dialed in. It was pretty extraordinary to witness. Did you ever see anyone go the other way where a guy would be, have you seen it over the years where a guy would be laid back casual and then because it was the playoffs, he felt like, oh, geez, it's it's, it's different now. I got to be more intense. Or even even a guy moving up from the American League to the NHL, they feel like the, the level's different. Sometimes you try harder, and we know that never works with goaltending. We ever see a guy where he felt like he had to be more intense, he had to be more dialed in, and, and it almost took him away from who he was as a goaltender and who he was personality-wise. I, I never saw that firsthand, but I'd, I'd heard stories of that, or even more so guys, especially early in their career when they're trying to, I guess, find that identity of what works. Like, do I need to change going from one level to the next? I think that's a that's a great point. Like, a lot of goalies are very successful in the AHL, and then all of a sudden they make it to the National Hockey League, and they're like, wow, I need to, I need to change this up. Like, this isn't going to work here, but one of the biggest things that everybody tells young players, just do what you did to get here, like play your game. And that goes into your preparation as well, because you can't, you can't go away from that. It, there's a, there's a method to that. There's your preparation, your success, your mindset, that has to be something you own. And I think it's, you, you see guys develop that over time and, and really sort of identify what it is that, that they need to do to be successful. And then that goes into the way they prepare, whether it's for a, one game or whether it's for a playoff series. Now, you mentioned Tim Thomas, and you talked about the eyes and seeing. Yep. Interestingly enough, he was one of those guys that didn't have a cat eye cage, right? He used right. to talk about having the vertical bars because to him, and he had them skinny, thin vertical yep. bars, certain gaps. He had a he had a micrometer that he used to pull out and be able to measure the gaps and relay to the the mass company if they if that changed or had been too different on him. Is is that the most like? Was he the most dialed in in his gear? But Ed Belfort was also. We heard from Sonia DiBiase in our first episode about Ed Belfort coming to the factory and dialing in his gear. Walk me through the spectrum of guys and where did you fit on that in terms of knowing your equipment? Um, yeah, but Belfort was a Belfort was a guy. Obviously, he was very dialed in. I played with him in his last season, so he was pretty pretty set in his ways in a way. But I also remember when he arrived in Florida, he had like all these different sets of gear. He even actually had a set of Michael Telquist's 
gear that Telquist like wore, I feel like in the Olympics, or there was some vintage Leafs gear. Like they were kind of like yellowy brown. It was kind of this, and he's like wanting to try those in training camp. And then he had also, and then that was the year he switched, I think, and went to, well, it was RBK at the time. Um, he was wearing those and then was kind of had his old Leafs like Heaton's there as well. And he had a whole bunch of stuff. I remember he lived down the street from me. His garage was full of equipment. Uh, so he was really dialed in with his gear. Absolutely. And, That's our kind of guy. By yeah. The way. And, and like, and his body, like, I mean, he was 42 that year. I remember he would be the first guy at the rink. We had three 40 year olds. We had to hire an extra trainer in Florida that year. We had <laughs> Newendike Roberts and Belfour, all guys that, and I, I'm not, this isn't disrespectful, all high maintenance though, because of the preparation they put in. And I remember that some, I'd get back after a game that Eddie played, I'd be home. It'd be like 1130 at night. I'm like taking the garbage out. Cause the garbage truck would come early the next morning. And it was like midnight now. And all of a sudden like, Eddie's just like rolling in and I've been home for like an hour and a half and because he's at the rink doing all his like post game stretching and everything. So he was super dialed in with his equipment, but also the preparation it took. Timmy though was funny. Like he had a lot of different things in Boston. Um, he had sort of a revolving set of knee stacks that he would switch through his pads. And I, I found this fascinating. Like he's a very in-depth guy and a thinker outside of the box. He's always thinking about new and different ways. And he had a theory that Basically, what part of the reason that guys' hips got so damaged and there were so many issues with hips was because you'd get almost caught in the same spot all the time. So he constantly was changing the thickness of his knee stack. So he never got set in that. So I, I don't know if constantly the hips in, in, I guess, a guessing game in a way. And it was, I never really got too much into why he thought this way, but it was something I thought was interesting. But you're right about the bars. That was important for him. It was all about being able to see his feet, being able to look down. And uh, the the bars, I remember hearing a story from uh, somebody that they asked him about his bars and, and like, well, isn't that right in your vision? Because someone put it on and he's like, well, no, I don't need to see the other goalie. I need to see the ice. Like, I don't need to see straight out. I need to look down. And that was, I kind of started to think about what all that meant, like the pucks on the ice. Like, of course you need to look down, yet you just look around, you see kids with their chins up in the air. It's such a different idea. And, and where those bars align is so important with your vision so that you can actually see the puck. Now... Okay, since you stopped playing, you did yep. you did some coaching for a few years. You've yep. transitioned now. We've got to get the plug in here. Sportsnet 650 Radio, just killing it in Vancouver as an analyst. It's on my second year. I appreciate that. Yeah, two years of that. I can't believe how quickly that's gone by. Talk about the tracking stuff, though. In the coaching aspect, it's interesting because I think we've both been through this. You got exposed to this a little bit. And the one thing that I hear, and actually we didn't really plan on going into this today, but you mentioned it with Timmy, mm -hmm. and it's funny because – he kind of predates this becoming a hot topic. And yet, you know, people say, we hear people say, well, you know, how you look, what difference does it make? Like as if telling a goalie how to look at the puck can make a difference. And yet you played how many years in the league for how many different teams, for how many different goalie coaches, including some of the greats, Alaire's Clark. Did you ever get taught how to look at a puck? No, we, we would, we would, fo different coaches, we'd focus on like watch it all the way into the glove, for instance, and we'd do sort of slow, like stuff to work your hands and yeah, watch it all the way in and, and all the way into your blocker and all the way out kind of thing, but never really how to watch it. And then it's a couple of years ago, I was doing a camp with seven or eight pro goalies and, and I asked the same question and some of the guys had played in the NHL for years and years and years. And I said, has anyone ever thought about or been taught how to look at the puck? And the answer universally was no. And it it almost seems so simple that it's been overlooked in a way. Like it's like obviously at some point someone has told this guy how to look at the puck. Why do I need to teach it at the highest level of the sport? 
it's so fundamental how you address the puck, how you look at it, how you set up it. It affects your stance, it affects your movement, it obviously affects your chances of stopping the thing you're trying to like. Your look at it, it makes a lot of sense, and and it's I I think it's it's the one common tie through generations that you can look at and see all the greats have always done well. And I mean, it's again, it seems so simple. It seems ridiculous that it's even something you'd bring up because you're trying to stop something. Look at it. It makes a lot of sense. And I've, I can see it all the time where guys that are playing well, they're just, they're on it. They're seeing it. And, and I think part of the reason that it's in some ways it's hard to identify, or it hasn't been identified until sort of in the last few years is that it's one of those things where it's it's so it's so simple and when guys are on they it makes they make it look so easy it's not like oh there's a new technique out there that is is groundbreaking it's no he's just looking at this thing this black piece of rubber that's coming at him it doesn't jump off the page it actually you notice it more when the player doesn't and it but it's it's hard to wrap your head around why that would be yet it's it's so fundamental and at the core of everything we do as a goalie it's 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 become a real trigger i believe now there have been coaches who've looked at it and and they they come to i think the same result from different aspects um and and maybe don't want to get so caught up in one particular thing that you're going to focus on but for me it it's what drives everything about the position and it and it's so fundamental at the core you had all those different goalie coaches over the years what what was the transition like for you? Like, what did you enjoy about goalie coach? Like, goalie coaching. And be honest with you, I got a chance. To, I got a chance to watch you work with guys like Ryan Miller, Eddie Lack. Watched that and kind of thought there was a bright like that. This was going to be your future endeavor, and yet you switched over to radio. So, what was the thought process through those two career transitions after playing? Well, a couple things. I mean, I I was I was lucky enough to play with have so many great goalie coaches. Uh, I played in eight different organizations and and won twice. And even the team I like, I, I had two different goalie coaches in my two different stints in Ottawa. So I got to experience extra. And uh, before Ian Clark came to Vancouver originally, I also had Andy Moog. So it's like I've had a lot of coaches. And that helped me and hurt me. It helped me in my coaching for sure. It helped me understand different ways to say the same thing, which is great for relating to different players and different goalies and different athletes and personalities. But it also hurt because I didn't really have that continuity outside of Ian Clark for four years of, of my five years with the Canucks organization. I didn't have the same. It's not. I didn't leave a season-ending meeting and arrive with the same goalie coach the next year, like ever, outside of those four years, which is really tough because you're not building on anything. You're you're in a way starting from scratch with this foundation you already have, but everyone's got their tweaks and different ways of getting there. So I think that hurt in a way, but it also helped my ability to analyze and coach, and. I loved coaching. I, I, I still am involved coaching at a minor hockey level with my children. But for me, it I never wanted to get to the position where I was chasing coaching. And what I mean by that is having to be stuck in the travel and the commitments of a full season and traveling with an NHL team or whatever level it was at. I just, that wasn't the right fit for my family or myself. And uh, that grind isn't, isn't something that's really been entertained by me. Like I, I don't really see that as a, as a future for myself. And then I got the opportunity with the new radio station in Vancouver, Sportsnet 650, to have kind of this scenario where I don't have to travel, like I said, and and I get to watch hockey and talk about hockey, which is very natural for me. It's a little bit different because it's away from the goalie position, but at the same time, I always sort of am the default guy when something goalie-related comes up, I get asked about it. And uh, it's it's been fun, but it's it, I agree. Like, I could have seen coaching as as a as a path for me if it was this ideal perfect scenario and I could write my terms and and have it be the exact way I wanted but 
you're probably not going to get to that point without having to go through a lot of the, the grueling aspects of it as well. Certainly not the first guy to jump from goaltending to an analysis, whether it's television or radio, and not just the goaltending position, as you said, just being able to speak in general terms. Is that kind of like catchers in baseball? I think I, I have a theory as to why so many of them end up in the position. It's because we see everything in front of us in the game. We're sort of integral to everything that goes on, and we're just smarter than everyone else. Not like you have a <laughs> bunch of defensemen as analysts. Yep. Come on, let's be honest here. Well, why do you think it is? Why, like, look around the league, man. Like some of the best analysts, TV, uh, national, like the yeah. goaltenders. A lot of goalies doing that. It, it's a few things. Part of it is the fact you spend so much of the game watching, whether you're playing or on the bench. Like you're when you're on the bench, it's the rare situation where you actually can be just fully watching. Like you don't even have to be, you think about a player when they're not on the ice, they're still, they're recovering for their next shift. They're preparing mentally for their next shift or they're constantly looking at it that way from through a very like selfish lens. And, and that's just the way they need to be in that competitive mindset. But for a goaltender who's not playing, it's, I mean, it's, it's you're there, you're in it, but you're also, you're constantly picking up all this stuff. And then even when you're playing, most of the game is spent watching and watching it unfold. And you see, you start to pick up the natural rhythms and the patterns of it. The other aspect though, is the flip side of it, which is the type of mindset that's probably attracted to the position in the beginning and the, to survive and make it at the highest level, you have to have that sort of clinical mind of an analysis and being able to put that into practice and be able to to use that and not get so caught up in results because results are kind of if you only worry about results, like your career is going to be over pretty quickly because you have to find a way to build through some tough patches as well. So you have to build that analytical mind, or you that's your sort of initial mindset coming in anyway. So I think it's twofold. You're watching the game all the time, but that also is the mindset that's sort of attracted to the position. Okay, I wanted to touch a little bit. We're getting tight on time. I wanted to ask you about how you manage all those different voices. I think that is a tough thing for kids. They go with different teams, uh, minor pros. We see it at the juniors, right? They got to go to their junior coach. They got their summer coach. Then they get the Team Canada coach, things like that. We might have to come. Like I think you and I could probably talk goaltending for hours. We'll come back to that for another day. But I did want to give you one. I want one last plug here. Yep. The Pride of Thunder Bay. Like we see, I just did the breakdown for this year for the playoffs on Matt Murray, Thunder Bay guy yep. who credits you. I think he got a used set of equipment one oh, year new. for brand, brand, new. brand yeah. new. You don't yeah. deal in use, get brand new um, for sort of fueling that passion for him at a young age. Carter Hutton, uh, Mackenzie Blackwood was through town here. Remember talking to him and how much pride he took in Thunder Bay. You're like the OG of Thunder Bay goaltending along with goalie coach Colin Zulianello. So we're... I don't want to overstate the role and, and make you blush here in the in the uh, Jerry Seinfeld. Car. I'll take it. I'll take okay, it. Okay, no. there we go. So, how much pride do you take in that? Like, I mean, this is not a big town that has produced a lot of goaltenders, and a lot of them, when you talk about it, point to you as sort of being one of the leaders of that way. Well, first of all, produced a lot of players, and it's Stall brothers. Yeah, and, well, the, the Stahl, a lot of brother ta- combos too. Actually, the Stall brothers, Pyatt brothers, the Johnson brothers. I grew up down the street from Ryan and Greg Johnson, and that was. And I've told Ryan and Greg both this, that like watching Greg Johnson pull into our cul-de-sac in his Corvette convertible back in the early 90s was, was to me, it was like, oh, like, oh, someone can make it from here. And I, so I don't look at it that I'm like, I think the, the fact the goalie made it is what allowed, opened up some people's eyes. Did not you the come fact back that in a Corvette me. convertible? No, I didn't, no. But it was, uh, it was uh, Escalade. But anyway, it was a different time, a different time then. But it, it, I think it was just the fact that a goalie from Thunder Bay made it sort of opened the door to a lot of these kids and that, okay, we can, we can go play major junior or Carter Hutton took a different path and ended up at college. And like those types of things are, 
I think that's part of it as well. But it's a it's a tremendous hockey environment. Colin Zulinello deserves a lot of credit because he's he. I didn't get to work with him as a young guy because he's just a couple years older than me, and he was still playing while I was playing. But he's a guy who who's worked with a lot of these guys at younger ages as well, and and worked uh, strong in development. Um, but he's the, now and just so people you, know, Colin yeah. Zulinello is now the uh, American Hockey League goaltending coach for the Calgary Flames. That's right. And but the real OG of Thunder Bay goaltending is Johnny Adams. Played for the Boston Bruins way back in the day and and uh you know we we had uh so he's that's kind of a name i like to shout out but i had i had good goalie coaching right at a young age as well rick baranek was my my hockey coach but he also ran some goalie schools and then Derek getty's a couple years older and so the guys that just i was taught more than i think a lot of kids were at that age at that time in the in like the early 90s uh, about the position i got more constant structure and and it wasn't like i was going to massive goalie camps but it was like 10, 15 minutes every practice were spent on goalie-specific movement. And I prided myself in being a strong skater, not just from a goalie point of view, but just skating in general. And that carried me through a lot of tough patches that I had later on because I was able to skate the game. Perfect. Alex, I think I'd like to make this a semi-regular segment. Uh, Really enjoyed having you on Find a sponsor and we'll do it. I'm on it. I'm on it. Okay, Alex, thanks a lot for joining the In Goal Podcast. And uh, hey, we did the car thing, but we didn't actually go anywhere. So it's just a little creepy, but that's okay. You you know what's the most bizarre part of that interview is until the very end, when you reminded us once again that you were in your car, I forgot that you guys were doing that in a a vehicle again. This is becoming a bit of a thing. The sound... The sound quality is pretty good well, there, Woody. Yeah, that's because we weren't going anywhere. We were in the bowels of Rogers <laughs> Arena after the Canucks had had their, you know, their annual before the playoffs start. Let's clean out our lockers and go home session. It's becoming be annual. nice. <laughs> and uh, so, yeah, uh, if you thought I got the a few strange looks driving through Vancouver, having a conversation, passing a mic back and forth with Roberto Luongo, uh, we definitely got a few. Like Alex is a big guy, and my car's not big. And just like the two of us sitting there in a parked car for 20 minutes talking back and forth with microphones may have looked a little odd. Alex Ald should voice our intro. When we get to the point where we have this fancy uh, professional intro, Hutch, lit that voice. He's so good. He's a goalie and he's got the great voice the, with the pipes. I think we hire him on. He's polished. He's polished. He'd be welcome to be a member of the team anytime. Yeah, and he's got some great stories. We could use him. That's for sure. He's, he's, uh, he's a beauty. I thought it was uh, it was so great to listen to that because so many of the things that he talked about the background stories uh, I, I think we all on the periphery knew a little bit about that we knew who was a great gear geek and so on but his ability to to go right inside and tell us some details that that certainly we weren't aware of uh, just fantastic felt like I was there great story OG old goalie Oh, I, yeah, that wasn't how it was intended. I think it was intended as like a more, you know, like a little kinder or original gangster of the. Uh, yeah. of that, <laughs> oh, of that. okay. Yeah, I didn't just okay. call him an old goalie. See, but like I, a lot I, of I old goalies, go, he I doesn't play anymore. Gangster part. Yeah, it's just, oh, gee, he's the original. The original. Okay. Okay. Uh, the bars on the mask, uh, the, the fact that Tim Thomas had to see the ice, I thought the the straight bars was was a safety feature like Hashik wore the the straight bars. No, uh, I never thought of it uh, as as looking down. You must have missed that article at ingolmagazine.com, Darren. Yeah, <laughs> I'm new. Okay, I'm new. Yeah, no, he was. Uh, Tim was obsessed with that type of stuff. Like vision was, real, as Alex said, really important to him, and he grew up with um, you know sort of approved vertical bar cages. He felt the sight lines were better, but 
to make sure the sight lines were right, like the level of detail that he broke it down to. I, I think it was uh, Tony Otney was building the the bars for him, and there was a lot of back and forth about them being, like I said, I'm not kidding, he had a micrometer in there to measure them, about them being a little too thick or not far apart, or like he, it was, hey, you got to see the puck to stop the puck. Tim may have looked like an unmade bed at times from a style perspective, um, but few times we talked to him over the years, he was one of the greats at getting, you know, sort of, interacting with us uh, you understood just how much detail and sort of thought went into the way he made those saves and um, by the end when the gear was all mismatched it wasn't pretty to look at uh, but one of the most effective (laughs) guys uh, in history for a couple of his runs there and uh, obviously has the trophies to prove it just I wonder if there's anything actually to it or whether it was just his thing because nobody else has adopted that what do you think, Hutch? It's a it's a great question. Why hasn't somebody? I think the cat eye is is obviously a stylistic thing, and and yeah. every, everybody just loves, that's a mirror test, right? Loves the look, and it's still also an unapproved cage that's not quite so widely available. So, yeah, it's a fascinating question. I wonder if somebody will come along and give it a go after listening to this. Come on, if you're using yeah. that style of cage, uh, let us know yeah. why. The unmade bed is a uh, is a good one because, uh, as far as a phrase, because that's sort of what you get if you go out and you demo gear and you try out gear. Sometimes it doesn't match your your sweater or your gloves, but but you're just trying something out, and that's part of this week's theme as we gear up the Brian's Genetic Four on the list for Woody at the most wonderful place a goalie can be. Welcome back to the Hockey Shop Source for Sports here in Surrey with Cam Matwiv. We're in the basement again, a little slice of hockey heaven, although I got to say today, it's busy out front in the store or busier. Normally, I get you at weird hours before anyone's here, a little more middle of the day. It's crazy. So we went into the back room and our listeners don't get a chance to see this. But if you guys think that the front room with like all those walls of pads is cool back here, man, it's like... It's just rows and rows, floor to ceiling of the coolest gear. And as I peek around the room, I see a corner for demo sets. And that's one of the cool things about Hockey Shop Source for Sports if you live in the area. We've had this question as a listener question from several people. Um, I hear about the new gear, but I don't get to test it. If you live in this area, you can. These guys do have demo sets. They'll let you take them out on the ice, try it before you buy it kind of thing, uh, which I love. I mean, obviously, we're spoiled here at Engle. We get to try it all, um, and we and, and we, we try and facilitate for, for goalies that test for us the, the same thing. Um, but if you're not one of those lucky people, you can come to the Hockey Shop Source for Sports, and you get to test stuff. And then when it becomes a generation or two old, there's a demo sale. Uh, we haven't announced the date yet, but it's coming. So keep your eyes out on all their social media channels because I'm looking at, I'm looking at a pile of really nice gear here that I know is going to be on sale real soon, leading up to their Tendy Fest, the big day of goaltending festival uh, at Burnaby Eight Rinks, which is going to be May 26th this year. So a lot of information I just threw at you. I got Cam with me here in the basement. Welcome back, Cam. And we're going to shift our focus now from the big picture. To the Brian's Genetic 4 line. We've kind of gone through every line. We figured let's keep going. I know this launched in November, um, but as people make buying decisions for the summer for next year's set of pads, I think it's really important to include this as, you know, again, not brand new, never seen it before, but in some ways maybe even better because you've actually had some feedback on it. Uh, and been able to adjust some of the preferences based on what customers are telling you. So let's just start with the pad. Uh, Brian's Genetic 4 sort of 
key differences and who it's for and what the style is. Yeah, so uh, the Genetic 4, again, having had a chance to have it in front of us, like we've, we've definitely got some real thorough feedback on the pad. Um, you know, we got our great review up online done by Jono. Um, in terms of, okay, who's this pad for? Uh, Brian's is marketing it is that uh, hybrid style of a pad. So the pad's torsionally flexible, flexible, it's light on the leg. Um, one of the biggest uh, differences you're going to find between this and an optic, though, um, would be the thickness profile of the pad, especially, um, you know, upper thigh portion. Um, really important for those, like, you know, those floppy rebounds that you sometimes get in a five hole. So Brian's has thickened that up. They've also, uh, just for that upper portion as a stock pad for what we have on the wall, have it a bit stiffer than what you would find in the optic pad in particular. Um, but this is something that's totally customizable to your own preference. Um, one of the other uh, big kind of callouts, uh, the strapping has changed just a little bit. So this will be different from what you've seen on the optic, which is their X strapping. Um, here we just have one large calf strap and basically one knee strap. Um, simplifies the pad a little bit more, keeps the weight down, really allows for a great rotation. Designed to fit, is it, like again, because there's the flex profile and it's a little bit more flexible towards the boot and the bottom, it's kind of, that's something that's gone through most of Brian's lines, but seems to fit this one in particular. Designed to be worn tight, designed to be worn loose, or one of those pads that tries to be all things? Uh, you can really do kind of all things with it, because you can get in here and adjust as usual with the Brian's pad, and you can really pull that, we'll, we'll call it their smart strap again, very tight, or you can leave it a little bit looser if you like a bit better rotation. You know, the ability for preference plays well in any style kind of for this pad, for sure. Um, again, moving forward with it, the the knee cradle has changed up a little bit. Um, they've gone with a, um, a lighter gray SBA material for their uh, knee cradle, just in terms of for a grip and feel-wise. Moving down to the boot, um, they've changed up uh, their toe strapping. So they've gotten rid of their um, smart toe that you've seen on the Optic and past. So they've evolved a little bit and changed it over to a bungee stick system um a little closer to what you're seeing on the new 2x pad um and also with um, some of the house straps that have been kind of kicking around so brian's has their own exclusive strap um those will also be available aftermarket which will hop up on the wall i like this switch actually as much as their original smart strap they're one of the early innovators on on having an elastic strapping system as a toe tie um but one of the feedback we did get was as much as you could tighten it up um a little loose a little too much play in it almost and and the ability to kind of, if you kicked your skate out, to almost expose the bottom of your foot because of that looseness below the bottom of the pad. So this looks like it's a, you know, along the lines, as you said, of where other, other companies are going, probably a little more connected at the toe while still having that mobility of the skate to get an easy edge. Exactly, exactly. So a great feature and a good compliment to the pad. Um, and then one of the final features that are worth calling out, um, we definitely see the return of OptiSlide. So that's uh, Brian's Primo material on the entire slide surface of the pad. Um, great addition. Slide's fantastic. You know, we've already had tons of feedback from the Optic line. It's been tested. Definitely something that works great. Yeah, that was definitely something that in our reviews and with all the testers, like like right from beer league up to junior guys that tested that pad for us, we've actually got a junior A kid, uh, major junior, no, sorry, junior A kid in the States right now testing that pad for us. And the sliding is, you know, that's, that's something that everyone notices right away. So it's nice to see that continue. Um, strapping, you mentioned sort of that one strap on the back, but there are options to, to add strapping to it, both one down around the lower calf, if you really want it snug and for lack of a better term, a professor style strapping option. Again, 
don't have to have it, but if you want, you can have that type of rotational strap above the calf as well on this pad. Yeah, they're both removable, and you know some of our stock pads didn't have it at first, but we continue to order them actually with all the straps. It's an option on their customizer um, to order with both straps, they call it. So if, uh, say, for example, you want a set and you don't have it, we can always get the straps for you very fairly easy there. Okay, you touched on the Flex profile, but just you know, for those that know what the Brian's numbers mean, um, walk us through from sort of the boot break to the break at the knee to the break in the thigh, uh, what, how this sets up stock and what kind of changes you've seen guys that do order custom from you want to make. Yeah, so Brian's has um, a flex system that runs uh, one through five. So one being no break at all, two being an internal break, three being at both internal and external, four being a softer version of that, and five being the dead softest of them all. Butter soft. Exactly. Soft like my hands. I don't want to touch them. This is what happens when you do no manual labor. I thought I was making a hockey reference, but the truth is I'm just soft. Okay, I interrupted. Go ahead. But uh, normally we don't necessarily recommend going to the five just because it is so soft and, and can lead to some premature wear and breakdown um normally and actually with their stock setup that they have it here so it's a, a one above uh, above the thigh so no break um three which is an outer roll break and internal break at uh, below the knee um and then four for their boot flex I, to be honest i kind of recommend the stock setup for it it, it seems to complement the pad the best i've had a few guys kind of change it around they want us a little bit stiffer below the knee so they take out the outer roll break i've had some guys that do want a little bit more flex up in the upper thigh so we've gone to that three um, i even had an order for a four um just again based on feel from their old previous pads they just wanted more flex um but and that's that, a, and that's the beauty of brian's though right like like i wouldn't recommend the four no matter of fact in our early reviews of like the genetic two line that was one thing we worried about we felt like a four in the thigh got a little too floppy too quick pucks could actually hit and get through the five hole a little bit um but there's no one way to play this position. There's no one preference for gear. Everybody has different sort of unique individual things that they like. And when it comes to Brian's, if you want a different, they'll make it for you. They they definitely cater. I mean, you know, even I had a request a little while ago. I want more lively rebounds from the pad. So I've added uh, uh, a thicker piece of HD foam to the front face of the pad for a customer. So, you know, they're flexible. We're flexible. Tell me what your needs are. We can make it happen. Well, and of course, anybody who listened to one of our early episodes of the podcast with uh, pro rep Chris Jaws, we act knows. Uh, they went through this with with Robin Laner, who likes the boot of his pad to be buttery soft, and it was a process to get there. But now he's got it dialed in. And what I love is, you know, whether it's stock off the rack with the fact that you can dial this pad into different preferences, or ordering custom from Brian's, kind of a best of both worlds is where they've ended up as they've gone through their two different lines. Uh, you know, flex in the boot, but not too soft up top. You can have a traditional tight feel, but you've still got that fast sliding with the Opti slide. So uh, a lot of good features on this pad. Okay, moving on. Uh, genetic for glove and genetic for blocker. We'll start with the mitt, which closes beautifully out of the box. Uh, breaks, angles, options, differences. Walk us through. So, so basically here, uh, they refined the Genetic 3 glove would be probably the biggest starting point with it. But when Brian set out, they wanted to have them one of the most flexible gloves right off the bat. Um, and to be honest, it's, I feel like they've accomplished that for sure. I mean, you pick this glove up in your hand and it's fresh out of a plastic and you're already sitting there closing it and you feel like you could use it, you know, in a game, no problem. Uh, it's fantastic. 
Um, you'll see on the back side of the glove um, that they've continued with their uh, BOA system. So that carries over from the Optic series. A great addition for the genetic to really get a nice tight fit in the hand, but you're not going to sacrifice anything. So a lot of guys when they sit there, they really crank on that wrist strap. It kind of locks their wrist into the glove and almost kind of holds it here. Um, this, because they have a free-floating cuff to it, it, it flows really nicely. You know, you don't have that problem for sure. So, and I, and I mean that floating cuff, uh, geez, I want to say it's almost back to the original sub zero. Um, we've reviewed all these lines over the years. I can't remember where the first one is, but it's one of those things when you get it the first time, you're like, wow, I like that. And so it's nice to see all these years later, it hasn't changed. Cause if it ain't broke, don't fix it. And what you, what you love or what we've always loved about their floating cuff right through the boa line. When we tested the optic last year is you can crank that hand in tight, but still, like you said, have that wrist mobility so that you can, you know, goalies like that, so you can present that glove sort of open and square and big at the shooter and take that space away and not feel like you're just locked in a straight line down the wrist and into your hand. It's, uh, you know, like I said, don't, and if it ain't broke, don't fix it. And it's nice to see them continue with that in the line. Yeah, or if you find something that works really well, apply it to your next line, which is definitely what's happened here for sure. Um, other than that, in terms of for overall feel-wise, like if you've used a genetic glove in the past, especially a more recent one like a three, you know, it's not going to feel too far off. Deep um, pocket, a lot of pucks, a deep pocket, really sort of from the thumb line down, that angle is steep. Anything that sort of hits thumb down ends up in that pocket. That's it's kind of been one of the things that sets this glove apart right from the... I know it's changed since the original genetic, but that's been one of the things that's that's always been sort of a nice feature. It's a real catcher's glove. That's the best way to call it. For people who actually catch pucks, novel concept. <laughs> Moving on towards the blocker. Um, for them, for the blocker, in terms of changes, um, I would say it's a lot less and closer to similarities to the genetic uh, three. Um, balance point for the blocker feels better. Um, you do see the BOA system here now um, as well being transferred over. Um, sidewall, everything you know, similar to what you've seen in the past. Um, but that said, just overall feel of the blocker on your hand and balance has improved. Like I would say, drastically. Um, it's a great feeling blocker for what it is. You got to try it on your hand. Yeah, it's a, a, lot, a lot of wrist mobility. Might not be the, like, sort of a beefy board, not the beefiest sideboard. Like, we have, there are other models out there, other options that sort of might have a little thicker, a little less flex in the sideboard. But, hey, there are still goalies that want that to have that sort of, softness isn't the right term, but not have as beefed up a sideboard. And, you know, for those guys, they're going to like this. Okay, that's the blocker for the Genetic 4. But before we wrap this up, Cam, you handed the glove over to me while you were talking about the blocker, and I realized we forgot to talk about one thing. This glove, when you put it on the ice, it's flat. It actually, there's no gap over, which was one of our pet peeves. Love Brian's, but we called it out in almost every review that we did. Small pet peeve. When the glove was new, it closed great, but when you lay it flat to cover puck on the ice, there's always a gap at the top of the pocket and to the point where if you move the glove the puck didn't necessarily stay with it you could actually uncover a puck and it happened to a few of our testers and obviously we noted it they fixed it yeah you can it's a full seal all the way around nothing nothing sliding out nothing sliding through you go to go seal it's covered if i could stay if i could do a golf a proper golf clap right now like that was a big one for us we loved the line but it was always that you know you had to have one little pet peeve and like i said we mentioned it in every review and it's nice to see that uh that it's no longer an issue. All right, that's it. We've wrapped up the genetic four pads, the glove, the blocker, available, 
at the Hockey Shop Source for Sports, thehockeyshop.com. If you've got questions about custom orders, uh, Cam has some ideas on some of the tweaks he'd make to the glove if you were ordering customer in ter- custom in terms of the palm. Um, talk to the staff. They've had this line for a while. They've done the full review. They know what works. They know what they'd change. They're the guys to talk to if you want custom. And because it's Brian's, that also includes custom graphics. So make sure you check them out, thehockeyshop.com, Hockey Shop Source for Sports. Or if you want to give them a call, 604-589-8299. Professional radio voice cam. Nicely done. All right, thanks for having us back in the basement, a little slice of goalie heaven. Until next week, we appreciate it. Thanks, Kevin. Woody, nice, nice job by Cam with the with the read. He's making a run at Hutch, who does a great job with the uh, with the contact information. But Cam with the phone number, full, he's getting full, right into this. Yeah, Woody. full radio voice, full radio voice, becoming a bit of a celebrity down there at the hockey shop. We hope it doesn't. Uh, <laughs> you know, I'm a little worried about him needing to order a bigger mask in the near future to fit that head in there. But he's done. He's done just. The, you know, he's, he's done an job. awesome job with it, guys. And. You know, it's not a digital. You know, it's not a visual medium, obviously. And what I really love is what Cam shows you in his answers is the expertise you get when you go to the hockey shop, Source for Sports, and thehockeyshop.com. Um, everybody has their preferences. Uh, I think if we play the game, we play in, in gear that you know, we've used for years. Like we, you have personal preferences, but guys like Cam understand all the lines, all the brands. And so if he thinks a certain style is going to be better for the way you play, he's going to be honest about it. And uh, I think that knowledge comes through in these segments. And that's why that's why you go there if you're a goalie. Um, and it's why you shop there online at thehockeyshop.com if you don't live in town, uh, because you can trust them to give you the answers that are going to help you like your gear, keep enjoying the position and find stuff that sort of sits or fits how you like to play when you talk to him. I'm I'm on that website four times a week now. You get, you guys have screwed up my life and my uh, all, all my browsing. Between, gotta co- gotta uh, come and visit in person, Darren. I know. I, I'm thinking Tendy Fest. Right. We're working uh, on it. We're absolutely working on thinking Tendy Fest. You can sleep uh, on Kevin's so, couch. <laughs> the um, the idea that uh, that you were in the back room there uh, doing it, uh, Woody. You you were. I know you like the basement, but you. You talked for two minutes just on on what you were looking at around there, and I don't blame you one bit. That was it must have been cool. Yeah, I know. I mean, it's uh, it, like literally just shelving and like it's like a warehouse style thing. And the thing is, I know they've got more gear at a separate off you know off location warehouse because you can't fit it all in the in the actual store. So um, what you saw in that Instagram video, the people that saw it with me doing a quick tour of that lower basement, um, that's just that's just what out, what's out on the rack. I mean, they really do have a crap ton of goalie gear and I got to just sort of hang out amidst it all and and it's funny it's kind of like the NHL guy right like NHL guys do you get sick of getting new gear yeah. does it and some of them say no it's still pretty cool I mean, it's not the same it's not Christmas it's kind of like that that's my Christmas getting new gear and seeing new gear I, I still get geeked by it why that uh while that was running I know that you were doing some digging and uh, just loop us back into the Tim Thomas uh straight bar well, yeah, I hard-timed you a little bit, but not reading that article. It was actually an Ask a Pro we did with Tim. Timmy was great uh, when he was playing. He used to answer emails from me uh, on, you know, as they were getting ready for the flight to take off after a Boston Bruins game. And he's kind of like, like the, he's like us. He's like, 
He's like the people this podcast is intended for. He really is into every aspect of the game. And so um, when we did this Ask a Pro, one of the questions that came in was from Jacob Brown. He says he's an in-goal reader from, and goaltender from Edmonton, Alberta. That was a few years back, so I assume, uh, assume he's still playing. And he asked, what prompted you to redefine the face mask of goaltending uh, that you now choose to wear? Uh, I'm a huge fan of the change because I can see the benefits it could give a goaltender with extra vision. And we also had reader Daniel Heslop ask about what he called the Beaupre cage and the sight lines. And here's Tim's answer. This will this could be our listener question for the week. As a kid, you grow up using the vertical bars and through college. So I was using vertical bars until age 23. So when I decided to go back and try it, it was an easy adjustment. It felt comfortable right away because I'd already spent 18 years with the vertical bars. The cat eye, obviously, straight ahead of you, you got great vision. But when it gets on its way into your body, I've always found you lose the puck a little bit as it is getting really close to your body. It's only like two or three feet out where you lose it and the puck ends up going into a jumble of bars there. That's the one thing my new cage is better at. And also when the puck falls down into you, with the cat's eye, I always had a hard time. Even when you go to cover it, I was only half seeing the puck. But with the one I'm wearing now, the vertical bars... Uh, I I can really see it. Personal preference, I guess, but I feel good with that. So there's kind of what Alex was talking about, how he really felt he needed to see that puck down low in front of him, uh, into his feet. And there's your answer as to why Tim Thomas used vertical bars instead of a traditional cat eye. Hey, we were talking a couple weeks ago about Freddie Anderson having world-class vision. And there's Tim Thomas talking about slightly losing the puck in the bars in the last two to three feet as the puck approaches his body. How many of us honestly see the puck that well? That's incredible. Yeah, yeah two I, to three feet. It's going at such a rate. It's, I don't know how you'd even quantify that. That's elite. Well, I mean, what, uh, what qualifies it is, like you said, Hutch, the elite no. Um, yeah. my eyes are closed half the time. I'm freaking out there. But this, <laughs> yeah. is, this is also, and Alex talked about this because he's seen the science behind it. When we talk about modern tracking, like there are body mechanics in terms of how we push to the ice and what that does with the way our body moves, whether our head comes down or whether it lifts up with our shoulders because we push with our knees, and how that difference is the difference between being able to stay on the puck visually longer or having it get underneath that vision that we cause you to lose it. Um, whether it's in the past last two or three feet or a lot earlier, frankly, than that for a lot of goalies, uh, where it's really sort of underneath your most effective field of vision, which is kind of right in the center of your socket. So um, the stuff that Tim, not surprisingly, the stuff that Tim was doing was significantly ahead of the curve, and that included the way the way he saw the puck, the way he looked at the puck, and, and changing his cage to, uh, to, to be able to do so better. Hey, once you're you know, once you're done tracking every goal scored in the NHL this year inside of about three days, Kevin, maybe you should go back to some old Timmy Thomas video and and see what you think now in retrospect, having gone and learned all this about modern tracking, because that wasn't something for you back when he was playing. Yeah, one better. I'm going to send Timmy an email, see if we can get him on to talk about it. Wouldn't that be great? I'm fine with that. Makes your life easier. One of my makes, favorites. Uh, that that was, and it makes this podcast incredible. Sorry, Darren. What that was one of my toughest moments as a professional writer. Game seven, 2011. Obviously, I covered the the Canucks as my local team. You don't cheer for teams when you're in the media as a professional. You're an objective observer, but you can't help but cheer for people and cheer for storylines. You you tend to. 
it becomes about the people because you're around them on a daily basis. And obviously our first guest on the podcast, one of the first goalies I wrote about for Goalie News Magazine back in the day was Roberto Luongo. And the heartbreak of having to go into that Canucks locker room minutes after they lost game seven and see that raw emotion and ask questions pointed, you know, at times about the way it ended for them. Um, And then the juxtaposition of that with going on the ice and the joy and the back and knowing the backstory and having shared the backstory and shared time with him of being on the ice as Tim Thomas lifted the Stanley Cup and celebrated like that that was just heart torn out and then heart lifted with like all within minutes of each other well on deadline and Tim is I I know at the end it wasn't the most popular guy for some people for a lot of reasons but I have all the time in the world for him as a goaltender, uh, and in my experiences, the way he the way he treated us certainly, and and um, the way he shared the passion I think that binds us from pee wee to pro as goaltenders, the way he shared that those insights with us at Ingle Magazine over the years. So if we can get him on, absolutely one of my all time favorites. I think there's a real lesson to be learned from Tim Thomas on the mirror test. He, he didn't care. He wore the, the different helmet. He wore the different cage. He mismatched equipment at times. He tried things. And I just, we get so focused with good reason, and our manufacturers are doing an incredible job with developing uh, good, safe, and attractive equipment with these uh, graphics. But he didn't care. He just wanted the best stuff that was, that was great for him to stopping the puck. So there's that part of it. Uh, go ahead. I was going to say, I wonder... <laughs> I've been a part of minor hockey evaluations. I stopped doing it because of some of the stupidity I saw. But I know, I wonder how often this happens. I know at least one where there was a kid who wasn't the most technically refined. His gear didn't match. So he didn't look like a goalie. And this mm-hmm. is this is like 10, 11 before, before that should really matter, frankly. And I'm like, this kid has more raw skill and innate ability to read the game than all these other goalie school goalies on the ice combined. But he didn't look like a goalie, Darren, and his stuff wasn't matched. And he'd never been a goalie school. That was cr- that was pretty clear. And he was the first one cut into house. Probably never saw a goalie coach the entire year because of it. So it's it, you know, those looks. I'm with you a hundred percent. But sometimes they matter to the people that are picking the kids too. The other part of it is uh, the cage, and I'm I'm going to get some weird looks from you guys and and people that are listening from the podcast will react to it. But I played with uh, with a guy, and he when he played junior, uh, he wore the iTech, and I'm not sure that that you would want to do that now with with the pucks that are firing. But I wonder whether we're ever going to get to a uh, stage where where guys wear the clear shield, so there's no bars in front of you. Oh man, you know that. <sighs> I know, no, I know. I knew I was going to get that reaction. Year, I no, no. I, I was, I was going to. Uh, I knew I was going to get that reaction from you. But do we ever get to the stage where the quality uh, of equipment and protection is reliable enough that you can just have a window in front of you? I'm actually kind of hoping for just a giant bubble because it gives me more net coverage when I'm dead on my knees. <laughs> and plus, and plus, let's be honest, you guys have heard me talk. My brain needs a giant bubble to protect it. I'm looking for square footage when I when I when I go to something new. Well, there, there's no rules on helmet sizing, right? So my son asked if he could get a helmet that's six by four. He's he's smarter than you. Yeah, <laughs> he's already he's already smarter than you. Uh, what about uh, the shootout? We we say goodbye to it as we enter the playoffs and some some dispute down the stretch about uh pace of the shootout sure well we did have a uh, kevin said we were only going to do the one reader question but let's dive into one more uh dave livingston don't know where he's from didn't say uh sent in a question he said hey guys love the podcast 
Great to hear commentary specific to goalies. Question for y'all with some of the ridiculously slow skating uh, leading to an easy shootout goal where the goalie really has no chance. Um, will we ever see a, a clock put on on the uh, shootout? Perhaps five seconds to release the puck. Um, you know, if I were to jump in there, Darren, I don't think we can ever put a clock on it. Uh, God forbid, or we'd be having video reviews to see how long it took before the puck left the uh, the shooter's stick. But but I do think we need to do something about it. Uh, everybody, those who don't like the shootout, complain that it's a skills competition that doesn't mirror the game. And I think those uh, ridiculously slow. Uh, skaters emphasize that and make it more of a gimmick and less of uh, a hockey play. So I would love to see something. Um, you know, the easy solution we were joking about earlier is to have a chaser, um, put Connor McDavid on the blue line when there's a shootout against the Oilers and let him chase down the guy who's uh, who's taking the shot. But of course, that sadly would look even more gimmicky. Um, so I don't know what the solution is, but I'd love to see something done. Just give the back official a cattle prod. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> you know, a little, little voltage in there, a little leak. Yeah. Hey, if you don't get there fast enough, it's going to hurt. Yeah. I mean, uh, look, I was, I was at some tryouts this weekend, and instead of penalties, they, they called penalty shots and they lined up both teams on the blue line and they, they could chase and the play was live afterwards. Um, it's a it's a fun way to, to play. And yeah. The only, the only problem with that one is every time you play the Oilers, like, like you'd start at center. And you'd be allowed to start chasing when the guy hits the blue line, let's say. McDavid would have him by the top of the circles, lifting the puck and taking the ticket yeah. the other way. Yeah. So what, so what is the solution? You know, what is the solution? I don't know, but, it, but I don't blame the players. I don't blame the players because no, it's goalies a, it's, have cheated forever and, and players are going to use every excuse or everything to their uh, availability to, to try and get an advantage. So the solution until is it's illegal, more that's poke what checks. they're going to do. I, of I don't course. Know. More poke checks. Yeah, but you'd look so silly. Ah. <laughs> you look so silly. I, I don't know. A uh, 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 base speed would be great, but again, who's going to have a rare gun out uh, doing that? Or just play overtime longer. That's well, I would love to see three on bit. three go longer. Isn't Every, it? It's just uh, added so much excitement to the game. Bring it uh, on. Ten not minutes. The- not to pull my goalie union card out here, but I think the uh, the guys wearing the big pads might protest another another five minutes of backdoor tap-ins and fully extended plays in a busy 82-game schedule where they're already having trouble managing fatigue. Uh, I'm not sure the goalie union would be too keen on another five minutes of that fire wagon hockey. Uh, guys, have a great week, okay? We will. You, you enjoy Winnipeg. You. It is uh, playoff time. Who will be the hero in the first round? We're looking for one right now. From the Red Mile to the Whiteout, the road to glory becomes even more challenging now because April is for spring flowers in Vegas, but also for thunderstorms and lightning in Central Florida. 16 goalies will start, Hutch, Woody, but even more will play as sports' ultimate pressure cooker centers its focus on the crease. Enjoy the action. For Alex Ald, Kevin Woodley, David Hutchinson, And the Hockey Shop Sorcerer Sports, I'm Darren Millard. Track the puck and play well.